What is going on, everybody? Episode 66 of the Nothing But Sports Podcast. I'm Rahil Jaswal. Three things to talk about today. Uh, we're going to recap the conference championships for the NFL. My Super Bowl picks will be next weekend. And then and then after that, we're going to talk about the Knicks and the Nets both struggling as of late in the NBA season. So not a lot going on this week. Uh, but yeah, let's get it started. So let's start with the NFL. So it's going to be the Bengals and the Rams. In the Super Bowl, starting the AFC, Bengals beat the Chiefs 27-24 in overtime, overcome a 21-3 deficit. I think that's tied for the largest comeback in conference title game history. The other, only other one I can think of is Peyton Manning, Indianapolis over New England in 2006 when they were down 21-3. Came back and won that one, I think 35-34, but, um, or 38-35, something like that, but, um, uh, so yeah, so um, it's weird because it followed the same exact script as their last meeting. And in my preview, I said that if the if the Chiefs cannot get to Joe Burrow with their front four, they will not win this game. And lo and behold, that's what happened. Now, full, full major credit to the Bengals' defense, the way they adjusted in the second half. Again, like they did in the first game, and shut down Mahomes. And it was the first time I've ever seen Patrick Mahomes flustered and just not look very good. Like, you can look at the game in the Super Bowl, you're like, oh, okay, well, the offensive line didn't protect him. But this is the one game we can really say that Patrick Mahomes looked completely flustered and just looked all out of sorts. Because when they won the coin flip in overtime, everyone was thinking, oh, the Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl. But it didn't happen. He throws, in, throws two interceptions. It was... It was it was weird to see because he's been so good at home. Let's give full credit to the Bengals. Joe Burrow, he did his thing. He made a couple huge plays with his legs moving. I think now it's going to be an underrated aspect of his game. His you know he's not a great mover, but he can move. So he made some big plays with his leg. Made big big time throws to um to T Higgins who uh who stepped up. So um stepped up as Jamar Chase wasn't having his best game, but um yeah. Mahomes just sort it, it Mahomes re- reverted back to what he did at the start of the season where he tried to press the ball too much especially in that overtime he tried to force one up to Tyreek Hill in double coverage and it was it was actually a decent throw but it was it was covered beautifully and it was an interception and it reminded me of the first 7 weeks when they started 3 and 4 constantly trying to push the ball down the field balls getting tipped at the line a lot of interceptions, trying to do too much, and I think that's exactly what happened in the second half. Even if you look at when they were driving to when they tied the game to go to overtime and he almost fumbled the football, he's doing way too much running in the backfield. Just just let it go. I mean, take the checkdowns. You don't need to run in the backfield, do all this sidearm slinging for 15, 20 yards. Just play it simple and take the checkdown throws. I think that's a lot what a lot of a lot of times happens. With a lot of these young QBs, they try and make these big plays when you could just take the simple simple things. Like, for example, when Mahomes fumbles the ball and almost loses the game there, you know, just take the shot at the end zone. You know, there's no, you don't need to do all this running around, this switching the ball mid in your hand. You don't need to do any of this. And um, <clears throat> he pushed the and he pushed the ball down, tried to push it down the field in overtime, and it got intercepted. I mean, what was it? On, you know, first and 10, maybe try like a five, five yard check down and then another check down, make it third and short. You don't need to push the ball towards you get yourself in a second and third and 11. And then all of a sudden you have to load up a 30 yard deep shot and it gets intercepted. That's just, it's not, it's not how it works. They're going to have to fix that. So, um, it's a, it's a learning season for the chiefs. I think they'll be better 
next year. But um, yeah, also, Andy Reid, I'm not letting you off the hook. Why didn't you take the field goal at the end of the half there? Why, why, you had no timeouts. Why didn't, yeah, I, and people are saying that Reid might have wanted to take the field goal, but I don't care. I'm not taking any chances. Uh, with five seconds left, I'm sending out the field goal unit. How many times, when will coaches learn from each other? How many times have we seen if you don't take the points, come back to haunt them? It came back to haunt the Titans when they didn't take the extra point. Chiefs, they had every, they should have taken the field goal knowing what happened in week 14 when the Bengals came back and whipped came back and won, take the field goal, and you would have won the game. But but again, you got to try and get too cute with it. Sometimes these offensive corners, these teams, get too cute with it. Brandon, uh, Brandon Staley, that game against the Chiefs when he uh, for the Chargers, he missed, didn't get three, passed up on three field goals, they would have won. He got too cute, that ended up putting him out. And if they had won that game, they probably would have been in the playoff. So... Teams, I don't know what it is. They'll try to be too aggressive, risk it. Risk. I'm all for risking it and being aggressive, but in the playoffs especially, you have to take the points. In a game like that, when you have an offense like the Bengals up 21-10, make it 24-10. Make it a 14-point game. Yeah, you want the touchdown, but if you make go up in the half 24-10, you're probably going to win that game, and you would have won that game because that field goal would have sent you to the Super Bowl, and now you're sitting at home. So not really. They're uh they're at the Pro Bowl right now, which is about, which is about to start. But you have to take the points. You have to take the points. I don't get it. All right, let's move to the NFC now. Rams beat the Niners twenty to seventeen, overcome a seventeen seven deficit at the start of the fourth quarter to advance to the Super Bowl. And um, major props to the Rams. And this is a, this game was exactly why they went out and they got Matthew Stafford because this was a game where they couldn't run the football. They had sixty yards rushing. And in a game where, like this, Jared Goff doesn't go win you that game because he needs the run game. Matthew Stafford is the type of QB that, you know, you'd like to run the football to take the pressure off him, but when he needs to and he doesn't have the run game, he can get it done. That is why they gave up two first-round picks for him. That's why they got rid of Jared Goff, and that's why they pushed all the chips in on Stafford. That game right there, in a big playoff game, when it's getting close at the end, you can't run the football. You have to make the throws. That being said, Jar- uh, Jarquise uh, Twart should have um, should have caught that interception. I'm not denying that. But every team gets some sort of luck in a Super Bowl run. You know, if we want to talk about, uh, you know, teams not making plays in locks, then we could talk about D. Ford lining up in the neutral zone in um, against the uh, Patriots in the in the championship game. We could talk about, you know, the the Rams when they got to that Super Bowl, the the botch pass interference call. Um, you know, we can talk about the Giants when they won the Super Bowl. Tony Romo missing Tavon Austin wide all the way down the field in Week 14. That could have eliminated them from playoff contention. You know, there's so many things. You know, people's like, oh, you got lucky. You had, There's always going to be some sort of luck on your Super Bowl journey, okay? Both these teams have gotten lucky over their Super Bowl journey. Tennessee, they, I mean, the Bengals, they got lucky Tennessee didn't take the points. They got lucky KC didn't take the points. The Rams got lucky that there was a dropped interception. The Rams got luck, you know, the... Luck is going to have the Rams got lucky. They got to play a Buccaneers team that was beat up. There's going to be, you know, in Super Bowl 50, um, the uh, the Broncos were were lucky on that fumble that Von Miller didn't get called for an illegal bat back after the fumble came out, after he strip-sacked Cam Newton. You know, there's so many, you know, so this avenue of all the Rams were lucky. No, no, no. The 49ers didn't get it done. There was a dropped interception, and the uh, the defense still gave up the touchdown. The Rams still had to drive down the field and score off that drive, or at least score a field goal, and that's exactly what they did. So, you know, you can't blame luck, and now this brings, so yeah, 
That's what I have to say about the whole Stafford thing. Credit to Stafford. He has answered the questions in the postseason. Besides the one interception in the red zone he threw on the first drive, he was very good on third downs. He was very smart with the football. Besides the dropped interception and that interception in the red zone, he played a very clean game. And again, that's exactly why they put paid two first-round picks to go get him because they were like, Jared Goff could not win us one of these games when we couldn't run the football. Matthew Stafford can do it, and we're going to do it in a big playoff game at home with a chance to host the Super Bowl. And that's exactly what happened. So, And also, you know, major credit to the Rams with all the ups and downs this, they've had this season. You know, because ever since they traded for Von Miller, they, they literally mortgaged their four years of future to get to the Super Bowl, and they have gotten there. They mortgage it to win the Super Bowl. They're one win away from actually living up to those expectations. Not many teams, when they mortgage their future like that, can actually live up to those expectations. So major props to them. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. came up huge, had over 100 yards receiving. Cooper Cup did his thing. But let's talk about the 49ers now. And again, it starts to beg the question, man. Jimmy G. Because Jimmy G was, again, great through three quarters. But all of a sudden, when the game got tight and they needed plays on offense, and they couldn't rely on the run game, he couldn't get it done. And th that has been the number one criticism on Jimmy Garoppolo when he's been with the San Francisco 49ers. No one says Garoppolo's a scrub or a bum, because he's good. <clears throat> he's a good quarterback. He's a very good quarterback with potential to be, you know, at least above average. So no one's calling him like, oh, he can't play, he, he sucks. But the main knock on him is, when the game gets tight and you can't run the football, he's more times, he's not going to deliver more times than he is. He delivered once this season to get the Niners into the postseason, and he did make a couple good throws in Green Bay to set him up in field goal range. But again, you look at the Super Bowl, you look at that fourth quarter stat line, missing Emmanuel Sanders, going 3 of 12. That cost him. And again, here in this NFC Championship game in the fourth quarter, when the Rams put all the pressure on him and they couldn't run the football, he tightened up. And, you know, people are going to talk about that interception, but I'm not really going to count that interception because that was sort of like a little desperation sort of throw because taking a sack there is almost worse than throwing the interception. But, you know, even... But it just... So he, he's gone. I think Jimmy G is gone now because, like I said, even if you take out the interception, he did not play great in the fourth quarter. So that the, the number one... That's been the number one knock on Jimmy Garoppolo... And he showed us why it is. Um, but, you know, full credit to the Niners. Their defense played unbelievable again. And we're going to see. It's already reported that Garoppolo is probably going to be traded. And the Trey Lance era is going to start in San Francisco. Um, it's tough. You know, the Jimmy Garoppolo are getting to the Super Bowl NFC Championship game. But it's Trey Lance's time now. And honestly, like, a, a team like, you know, a lot of teams would be happy to have Jimmy Garoppolo. I think... You know, a team like Pittsburgh, who's in the middle of trying to find a franchise QB, maybe even Tennessee, would love to have Garoppolo as a bridge quarterback until they find their quarterback of the future. So, you know, there's a lot of options for Jimmy Garoppolo to go to, but we will see. But yes, my Super Bowl picks will be next weekend. So let's talk about the NBA now. Let's start with the New York Knicks, because it is official that the New York Knicks suck again. Five games under 500. After going 10 games above 500 last year, lose a heartbreaker 122-115 to the Lakers in overtime, blew a 20-point first half lead, had a 14-point halftime lead, was up by were up by at least 12 with like six minutes to go in the third quarter, and they blew it. And it just gets worse and worse and worse for New York. 
Um, I don't know what it is, man. Julius Randle play was unbelievable in the first half, but all of a sudden, in the second half, when the Lakers started to make their push, he went small again. Again, proving that he's not very clutch. Because he can play well in the first half when they're up by 13, 14 points. The only person that had a good game through all four quarters was R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett was the, has been the one bright side, one bright sort of bright spot of the New York Knicks this season. Um, he's played unbelievable. He's he's played he's played unbelievable through the whole season, and he's proving why he should have been the number three, why he was the number three overall pick in the draft. He's been awesome, but besides that, this season has been an absolute train wreck for the New York Knicks. Injuries galore. Emmanuel quickly now struggling off the bench. Uh, Evan Fournier not living up to the contract, which I feared. Kemba Walker not looking good, even though they got him for dirt cheap. Still not looking good. Julius Randle having a down year compared to his all-star year last year, maybe proving that that year was a fluke. And um, any, everything that's gone wrong with that could have gone wrong with the Knicks has gone wrong as far as injuries go and everyone's sort of coming back to earth after having a great season last year. So we're going to see what they do with the deadline. I'm not opposed to um, to shipping off Kemba Walker. I've tried to give Walker all the benefit of the doubt, but he's you know scoreless the last two games. Then last night in Los Angeles, only going like two of four. It it doesn't work. And it, the the thing with the New York Knicks is they show flashes of what they can be. Like you look at that first half, they're moving the ball so well. You know they're finding RJ, getting Julius open, and they're letting everyone touch the ball. And then the second half, it's all it's all all right. Let's go ISO ball. How many times have we seen that ISO ball does not work? It does not work. It will not get you far. But for some reason, the ball movement just completely stopped in the second half. And it allowed the Lakers to crawl back into it. Now, full credit to the Lakers and Anthony Davis's defense. They were awesome, okay? But I saw so many times where it was Julius Randle or someone else dribbling the ball till there was six seconds on the shot clock and then trying to find a late pass and get like a stupid three-pointer look. Also, the New York Knicks, they can't shoot threes. You're 0 of 10 from three-point range. Stop jacking them up. You know, fake the three, step inside, and take the mid-range jumper or get to the cup. You know, it makes no sense to me how... It's because the league has changed so much. Teams will be like 2 of 10 from... 2 of 20 from three-point range. And they'll be like, all right, let's jack up a contested three. No. If you can't... Like, there's a reason why the Knicks don't score the ball well. It's because they, they can't... They can't shoot the three. So why are you shooting them in the clutch time? Now, granted, they got a couple big threes. But still, like, the Alex Burks ones when they're wide open. You know, if you're a decent three-point shooting team, you knock that down. The Knicks, I don't know what it is. Their identity is not shooting threes. So they sure, there's no way they should be shooting, you know, 12 three-pointers in a half. But that's just the way the league has gone. Um, settling too much. But again, and let's be honest, the Knicks shouldn't have even been in overtime. If the Lakers just hit, like, two or three free throws in that last minute and a half, then the Knicks the Knicks lose that game by double digits. And looking in overtime, I mean, R.J. Barrett was playing on tired legs. He played over 50 minutes. But again, the, there was just too much iso ball. No movement and poor shot selection went cold from the floor. Um, something has to be done with this Knicks team. There has to be some sort of, um, some sort of haul at the deadline, whether it's Julius that goes... Whether it's Kemba Walker who goes, I've been here. I mean, as long as, I mean, I've been hearing a Russell Westbrook trade. No, I don't want Westbrook. Nobody wants Westbrook. Okay, but 
gotta find something. Who knows? Some stars are I don't know who's available at the trade deadline next Thursday. We're gonna see, but something has to be done. Whether it's Kemba that goes, whether it's Julius Randle that goes, I don't know. It's gotta be someone. And then Julius Randle's like, oh, why are the fans in New York booing me? Well, you put up a second half like that, then what do you expect? Um it's it's just a horrible situation. Right now, New York, I mean, what is that? Like one in seven in their last eight games. And they're really at this rate not even going to make the play-in tournament. They're sitting 12th in the East. They have to be top 10 to make it. You would think after the way they played last year, even with the Eastern Conference getting a lot tougher, that they'd still be... Because I genuinely believe this team could be like Boston, like in that you know that 9-8 spot for a play-in tournament, 9-10 spot. But they've been absolutely horrid. Now, they finished the season strong last year, but... I just don't see it. I don't see it. I mean, that Laker game was a game they really should have won, but just because of stup- because of being stupid, because of committing stupid turnovers, not moving the basketball, getting away from what went well in the first half, they lost. I mean, if you're doing something well in the first half with the ball movement, how come in the second half that when the game got close, that just completely went out the window and they decided to go full iso ball? It just Makes no sense to me. The amount of turnovers that were committed in transition, off inbounds plays, um, missed free throws again. I don't know what is happening with the free throw shooting, but the Knicks left, I think, 9 or 10 points at the line again. If you cut that in half, make that 4, um, that doesn't win you the game, but it at least gives you a chance in the last couple seconds of overtime. But um, it, both teams struggle free throw shooting, but I don't know what's happened to Knicks free throw shooting, especially last week. Alec Burks off the bench. Has not been what he was last year. Uh, we, they need Derrick Rose back desperately. The bench unit is starting to show its real flaws without Derrick with um, without Derrick Rose manning the uh, manning the bench unit. Um, the bench unit was far more efficient and better, actually outplaying the starters when they had D Rose. Now all of a sudden they're looking worse than the starters. Uh, besides for RJ, RJ's been the only good spot this season. But um, yeah, I guess the Knicks are back to normal at sucking. So, let's move on now. Um, Brooklyn. Brooklyn's not doing so well either. They've lost seven straight. They played the Nuggets later today in about two hours. Um, <clears throat> wow. Uh, so, Brooklyn, I think, is now like 29 and 25. They were at one point top in the Eastern Conference a, couple week, a week ago, but because of their seven straight losses, they have really taken a dip in, um, in form. So, what's going on with Brooklyn? Well, <clears throat> number one, what we said at the start of the year, you can't win if you can't stay healthy. All right? KD has been gone with the um, with the knee. I think it's the contusion. He's been gone, and now they're starting to show their flaws, all right? James Harden, all right? I think it. James Harden has also been getting injured, and this is not a good sign considering how when he was in Houston, he rarely got injured. He rarely missed time with injuries. He used to play through a bum hamstring or a, a bum ankle, but all of a sudden... As soon as he put on that weight to get out of Houston, he's not gotten back in shape, and that's a main reason for his injuries. I honestly think Harden looks disengaged, honestly, with the way he looks on the floor. He has not been what he was last year. Last year, the way he transformed himself into an MVP candidate player that, you know, with the when he was getting 30 and 13, he has been far from that this season. He'll have the occasional good game, but it's not been consistent enough for the Brooklyn Nets, and um, <clears throat> I think it has a lot to do with the fact that he just he's put on too much weight. Okay, he hasn't kept in shape, and that's also the reason why the hamstring injury injury keeps flaring up over and over again. That's not a good sign for Brooklyn. 
especially considering when you need them to stay healthy because the Eastern Conference has gotten a lot tougher and KD is still going to be out <clears throat> for a decent amount of time. At the end of the season, Kevin Durant can be the only one left in Brooklyn. It'll be two years of this so-called failed big three. Okay? That's number one. Number two, Kyrie Irving, bro. Kyrie, listen, it's your decision not to get vaxxed, but come on. I mean, I think it's time. I mean, Kyrie has come out and said before that he, to him, there are more things big. There's things, you know, there's things that are bigger than basketball. I mean, that's something you normally say when you retire, not when you're playing. And here's the problem with Kyrie becoming a part-time player, okay? There's just, when you're a part-time player, it's so hard to get the rhythm because there'll be times, okay, you have a road game and then you'll have a home spell of three straight games and then all of a sudden you have a travel day and then you're back on the road, but it's been five days. So you haven't played in five days. So then it's hard to pick up where you left off. Like, let's say you have an efficient game, 10 of 13 shooting, but then you have a five-day break. It's hard to pick up there because you're losing, constantly losing momentum. You can play four games in a row and then miss three games because you'll be back at home. So being a part-time player, it's tough to get a consistent rhythm. And we saw that against Utah. You know, he looked great in the last couple games he played. Then all of a sudden they have an extended period where they're at home. They go on the road. He shoots six of 20. It's just hard to get a rhythm when you're not playing every day. <laughs> Same thing with the injuries. When you're shuffling guys in and out of the lineup, it's hard because, and also because Kyrie hasn't been playing a lot, you know, the chemistry is off. Joe Harris hasn't been there. So, and now the reports come out, Kyrie's been saying, oh, to me, basketball's a nine to five job. That's not what you want to hear. If you're a teammate, it honestly looks like that Kyrie Irving is not bought in to the Brooklyn Big Three. It looks like two of them are on board, Harden and KD. And it's weird because Kyrie basically arranged for them to go to Brooklyn and to help get James Harden, but he's not on board fully yet. And again, it's just the same thing every year with Kyrie Irving. Ever since he has left Cleveland, he has been creating constant amounts of drama. Is that because his ego has gotten bigger? I think so. Ever since he hit that shot in the NBA Finals over Steph Curry, his ego has gone through the roof. He thought he was better than LeBron because he won it. So he, and no one can tell me he didn't think that because that's the reason why he wanted his own team. I want to lead my own team. I want to be the leader of a storied franchise. He thought he was better than LeBron. So he's like, I'm going to get my own team. I'm going to force my way out of Cleveland. Goes to Boston. He's like, oh crap. I realize I can't be a leader. Throws all his teammates under the bus. Completely fails with the Celtics. All right. And then he's like, all right, yo, let's go to Brooklyn. We can win the championship. And then he won't get vaccinated. I don't. And he, and he also drops these comments, you know, I don't think we need a coach. Uh, it just, it look, it's basketball. He, it's annoying because he's so talented, but, and again, it's his decision. He doesn't want to get vaxxed. Okay. But with, it doesn't look like the mandates are going anywhere. And if you go into the playoffs with a part-time player and the Nets get the four seed, then all of a sudden you're at home for more games than you're on the road. You can't have him for a game seven. So it's it, in order for the Nets to really go anywhere, he needs to get vaccinated. They need to get healthy. But now there's rumors circulating. Honestly, if I'm the Nets, <clears throat> I'm not opposed to trading Kyrie and James Harden at the deadline. Okay? The Sixers are looking for an option. Maybe you strike a deal with them where it's, you know, Harden looks like he wants to get out. Simmons looks he wants to, he wants to get out. All right. We'll both get the problems off our hands. James, you go play with Joel Embiid in Philly, which I think would be an interesting and the net, and I think the the Nets would actually benefit more from this. Ben Simmons, you come here because, yeah, Ben Simmons is um, and we all know Ben Simmons can't shoot, but he can offset 
at least in the regular season, with when Kevin Durant is not there, he can offset what he his offensive inefficiencies with his efficiency on defense. And maybe, and um, you know, and so even and like I said, if you keep Kyrie, then and Kyrie can lead the way and bring the ball up, and Ben Simmons would be Ben Simmons would be more than happy just to to not bring the ball up and play his elite hellacious defense because at least Ben Simmons is going to give you a million is going to at least give you a defensive upgrade from Harden and the Nets defense efficiency right now. Okay? So that works. But also Kyrie has an option at the end of the season. Uh has an option to get out. So he honestly might leave, so you might honestly want to look at a deal where you can trade him so Kyrie can go play because the vaccine mandates and bring in someone who's vaccinated and it'll give you consistent play because we've seen a lot over the last couple years teams take the regular season so nonchalantly and they're all all because it's postseason time but you don't play and you don't develop chemistry it was a prime example with the Clippers they didn't develop their chemistry they treated the offseason I mean the regular season so nonchalantly like hey it is what it is we don't really need chemistry and they fell apart in the playoffs you need to get chemistry all right that's why the Lakers are probably going to go on a little run here because when Anthony Davis is back and Malik Monk, they're starting to get their chemistry, but Brooklyn is not. These teams are starting to get their chemistry. Brooklyn is still su- shuffling guys in and out of the lineup, and they haven't gotten their chemistry together. And honestly, I mean, Kyrie honestly seems like he does is not going to get vaccinated. So you're going to have to deal with this for the rest of the year. And James Harden's coming out, yo, it's frustrating, and it's frustrating. And again, when you get Kevin Durant back, yeah, things might pan out, but you go into a seven-game series— against a team maybe like Milwaukee, like Philadelphia, and you have half a Kyrie, I don't know. I really don't know. So it's really interesting. Also, no team has won an NBA championship when they've lost, if they've had a seven-game losing streak. So that's going to be really interesting to see. Can they regroup from um, from this and what, what has happened? But uh, yeah. Anyway, that is going to do it for um, this week's episode. Uh, again, it's a short one, but not really much to talk about. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I will see you again next week for the Super Bowl picks.